Welcome back to No Apologies Podcast. This is going to be part two of the Christmas with the fam um, episodes. So this one is going to be with my aunts and my mom. Um, I asked them a slew of questions from when they were younger and for them growing up with 11 uh, siblings and how that was and things about being a parent and motherhood and what do they do for themselves. And And I also asked them um a very uh deep question about um when and and ever uh, a time comes when they are no longer here um that was uh that segment was a very hard segment but it was something that i think that was needed i didn't do a lot of editing i was requested to um but i was really going to leave this really how it was just for small purposes make some small changes but I really just wanted you guys to hear uh, the raw and uncut of um, my family function. So here you guys go. Enjoy. It's going to be a lot of laughter. Um, but everything is just as one of my aunts says. She kept it 100. I hope you guys enjoy. purpose of this interview was I believe um, that the older generation we may make fun of them and get on them about being out of touch um, especially if you're uh, the younger generation but um, um, I do believe that time to time or the majority of the times they do have a lot of knowledge to give out and they are very knowledgeable some more than others (laughs) Um, They have a lot of life experience that uh, you can gain a lot of a lot of knowledge from. So I'm just going to spend a few minutes talking to them about um, them being younger. Um, For people who don't know what you would not know, they have a total of 11 siblings. I don't know how uh, they got through an entire household with 11 siblings. I'm the only child, so my grandparents were some some awesome grandparents because I know all 11 of them, and I'm telling you, they all different, all 11. So thank the three of you who are here. Thank you so much for coming on my, my podcast. Thank You're you. Welcome. You're, You're welcome. welcome. Thanks for I'm having us. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Do, do you want to say your name? Marsha Bogan. Karen. Hi, Mama. Hey, Chris. And Debbie. Hi, Debbie. Hi, Carissa. Hi, Aunt Marshall. You don't say your last name. Not, not, not the people know who you are, but I will take that out. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> now, um, now you guys grew up with eleven siblings, mm-hmm. one by one, starting with the youngest. Tell me something about. Growing up with eleven siblings, 
Uh, well, I'm Marsha. I am the youngest, uh, next to the youngest. I had a brother, Eddie, and uh, it was it was fun mm-hmm. uh, doing the holidays. It was especially fun because my parents they made sure that we all had gifts and things that we wanted. So that was one fun memory that I had during the holidays. Me? <laughs> okay, I'm Karen. I am the middle child, five over me and five under me. Um, growing up in a family of 11, um, we really didn't need any friends because we were our own friends. And the block or the street or the block that we lived on in Chicago everybody congregated to our porch, to our front porch. So it was like the the porch was like a meeting place for every kid on the block. Um, the most fun memories that I have for holidays in our family was me and my uh, other sister, Audrey, who is not, who is not here with us. She's out and about, but um she, my mother would purchase us gifts and I would get a doll whose hair was brown and Argy would get a doll whose hair was black every single year. Every single year we would get those type of dolls. One doll had brown hair and one doll had black hair. We knew whose doll was who. So <laughs> that's a good memory. Okay, uh, my good memories were... My good memories were um, basically growing up um, by me being the oldest girl. <clears throat> uh, I could always, always have something that my sisters needed. Uh, we, a lot of us grew up wearing the same size shoes, sometimes the same size clothes. And I remember being able to pass some things down. And I also remember them coming in my room and just taking things. <laughs> but uh, it was it was a good memory because, you know, we never had to go out and shop and do a lot of things. We were able to share with one another. That's now that's awesome. I don't understand that or know anything about having siblings because I was blessed. To be the only child. <laughs> Where a few of my cousins are. So, you know, we understand. I don't know about this sharing thing that you're talking about. <laughs> oh, wow. People going into your room, taking things. I don't know. I would have a complete fit if, if that happened. Oh, you know what? We had to uh, we had to accept it because there was so many of us. And uh, sometimes we didn't agree with it. You know, if we did see somebody with something of ours on, we would say, okay, why are you wearing this of mine? And they would say, okay, I need this. And sometimes, you know, we would demand that person to take my stuff off. But, you know, that didn't happen because they already had the clothes on. <laughs> but anyway, I remember one morning, two of my sisters, which, uh, okay. Well. Okay. So. Good, great question, right? It's, it was 11 of y'all. Who has, who had, now I have my own opinion about this because I know you guys as adults. So uh, I've heard rumors 
um, that this person was very rough. Um, but who had the worst temper? <laughs> the oldest the sister, oldest sister Debbie. Debbie. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. had you had the worst temper. Yeah. Yes, I did. Well, I guess I can understand. You got us. How many girls? It Three. was four. Four girls. Four girls, but you have to understand. I grew up around four boys before another girl came along. So, you know, I used to play tackle football with my brothers, uh, baseball with my brothers. Um, I, I practically did everything with my brothers. So by the time the girls came along, I was a little bit older than them. So I guess I kind of gave them a hard time. Now, all of you are mothers. Um I myself couldn't picture myself having kids. One, I just don't have the patience to have children. They're cute and all, but that's that's really great. Um, how, uh, for me, looking at my mother and you know, and you two as my aunts, um, it always seems like you guys have things under control that that might not be true at all. Everything might be going to chaos. <laughs> But how, as a, a mother, as a parent, uh, do you make it one by one? Do you make it seem like everything is just okay? Marcia? Well, from Marsha's view, is that a parent, that's the responsibility of a parent and of a mother. And even if the father is in the home, because most of the time the father is busy working, so the mother is who controls the house and makes sure things are orderly and things are okay. Because as the old saying go, if mama ain't okay, the house ain't okay. <laughs> so when mama's good, the house is good. And one thing about mama, mama gonna make sure the house is good. So that's my thought on that. I actually concur with her. Basically the same thing. Really? Yeah. Okay. Same thing. I know you do. Um, well, I can't even remember the question. <laughs> <laughs> I said that as a mother, uh, <laughs> I guess I was too long <laughs> She took me totally. I guess I was too long yeah, Okay, I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> I, I asked, um, as a mother, how do you guys always make it seem like everything is okay? Well, I feel as a mother because you you are always going to be there for your children 100% and nothing less. And um, I don't care what kind of difficulties are happening in the home. You just have to be strong to inflict that upon your children. And then that way they will be strong. You know, we have battles that we fight every day in society, just being women. And uh, you have to be the best that you can be. And then, and nothing less. Now, that's a good thing. I, I like that you uh, said that about uh, being a parent, um, 
I asked uh, my best friend this question. She gave me a really good answer. I'm not going to give you her answer, but I want yours. It always seems that once you become a parent, once you become a mother, you lose whoever you were prior. When I think of my mother, I just see Karen. I know who Karen, I know who Karen, my mother is. I've heard things about, you know, I heard she was a firecracker when she was younger. Um, I heard that she threw a skillet at somebody once. <laughs> so so I've, I've heard that she'll cut you. I heard, heard something about cutting tires or somebody cut somebody's tires. I think it might have been a Kenneth that, that, that cut somebody's tires. So I've heard things about uh, uh, my, my mother. I've heard uh, things about, you know, our cousins that if one fight, all y'all fight, and that's a lot of people to fight. Um, um, but um, <clears throat> things about Marsha and, and, and Debbie. Uh, and um, But why does it seem, as a parent, um, being that you lose yourself, you lose who you are sometimes when you have a child, because it's really all about the child once they get here. How do you make sure that you still have a piece or hold something for yourself that has nothing to do with being somebody's parent? Well, it's Marsha speaking, but I feel that it's uh, once you have a child, once you bring something into this world, then even though you know who you are, mm -hmm. It becomes about the child themselves because they can't help themselves. Mm -hmm. So you have to nurture them and bring them to where they should go. You can't force them to go anywhere once they become adults, but you can you can stack the deck for them. So then to give them a running start. And I think that's what happens when it becomes um, uh, mother versus uh, raising a child. Because the child becomes more important in your life because they got more years in front of them than you have in front of you. Okay. So before any one of you answers, let me ask the question differently. Let's take off caring for the child. Because that's going to be what your life is once your child gets here, that's pretty much not, I mean, it might not be true, but in my opinion, as a parent, you're always going to be a parent for your child as long as your child is here. That's your sole job now is taking care of the child. Mm -hmm. But <clears throat> what does Marsha do for Marsha? That's really what I'm asking. Marsha will do for Marsha. I know, but I the know importance of it, Marsha has to make sure what she brought in this world is okay. Right. And that it's going to do well. You give them everything you can give your child what they need. I'll take care of myself, mm -hmm. but my first and foremost is my child. Because my child, when you say child, they can't speak for themselves. Mm -hmm. So you have to be your child's advocate. Mm -hmm. And that's what's important. Until they grow up and be grown, and then you have to let them go and do what they need to do. Now, after, well, okay, go ahead. Now, um, that's a good answer. But 
when but you when, just negated but my answer. <laughs> but when you say but you negate an okay. answer, but go ahead. When you when you um when you become a mother and like you said, when the child grows up, you do have to take care of that child. But once the child grows up, gets up to adult age where you can kind of let them go their own way, that's when you begin to, you know, uh, take care of you. You begin to do for you. Like we take trips, we go on cruises, we do everything we want to do. We go out of town, we travel, but we do make sure that the house, the the adult, even the adult child or the child itself is cared for and everything is taken care of, but we still gonna do for ourselves. Okay. Um I will have to say, um, being a parent when I first became a parent, um, when I was pregnant with my son. I knew I was pregnant, but I had not engaged the fact that I was really having a child until they brought my son into the room. And then I realized, I said, oh, my God, I am a parent. So from that point, raising my son, um, I would have to say that I have just always um been there for him but now me as a parent my son is an adult now so he does his own thing and I do my own thing we had to learn how to I had to learn kind of how to cut that unbiblical cord because you never really want to let let that part of that child go even though it was cut from birth you still you still feel that part that that uh that uh, that a biblical court is still there mm-hmm. for some reason you never want to let go of that part so but you, as Moses said to Pharaoh what did he say you let my people go <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so i had to learn how to i had to learn how to separate that part uh, with me and my son, because uh, I think I think that uh, my son being an adult, I think he still felt that I was holding on too tight. And one day he told me, he said, "Mama, you do you, and I'ma do me." Mm-hmm. So when he said that, mm-hmm. I knew then. I said, "You know what? It's time to step back." You know, now that you said that, that I can hold on. I can agree with with that. You know, I have a few bit of my cousins here. <laughs> and we all probably feel that amen to that last statement. <laughs> let let us go. Yes, yes Auntie Marshall. I just want to say this. <laughs> you guys may want us to let you go. But I still want But in times of fight. trouble, who you come talking to? Oh, hello. Say it. The parents. Say it. The parents. That's your job. At the end of the day. So you might want us to cut that string, but you still want us to stay close. What are you telling? Just in case. Because it's something. So all I'm saying is this. 
Give your parent that leeway. Give them time because they done had all these years raising you, <laughs> making you who you are. So give them time to let you go. That's time. all I'm saying. Give them time to let you go. Well, give them time. <laughs> yeah. It ain't going to take long. Yeah, because you know what? I, even my son Quayle's here filming. Yeah. <laughs> and he know I'm letting him wait, go. Quayle, wait, Quayle, wait. <laughs> as somebody that's older, you got to watch. He's got a ways to go. Got a ways to go. But you know what? Let me tell you this. But there's nothing. But uh, there's nothing. Speaking for somebody that's that's in their thirties, there's nothing wrong with it. Because I know that if I need something, because it's certain stuff that you know. Personally speaking, this Adelton thing is trash. Okay, <laughs> trash. <laughs> I, we we don't like it. Um, you know, being responsible, who wants to do that? Don't like it. I don't like to pay no bills. I don't care about n- nothing. I don't want to see no bills. I just, you know, this is a dozen thing. If I can go back to being 16, I would. All I had to do, all I had to do was know how to drive. And, and what's funny, the person that taught me how to drive is the reason why my mother says I can't drive. And that would be your sister, Marsha. Mm. Yeah. What were you gonna say, Mom? My sister Ma, she drives crazy. She do drive yeah. crazy, and that's why. I, that's because that's how I drive because of her. But you know what? When um when you when you say cut cut the umbilical cord or cut the cord, I didn't have a problem with letting her go, letting her do her own thing. Uh-huh. I didn't have a problem with it. Uh-huh. No. Yeah, at and yeah, at 16 and 18 years old, or maybe even 19, I was questioning, asking you where you're going. But now it's not an issue. You go where you want to go and do what you want to do. Now, since we have an iPhone, you can go to find my app and you can track my location. Thank you very much. So you ain't got to act. You can look at it now. It's even worse now. <laughs> now it's even worse. Well, well, I, this is Debbie speaking. I can truly say I have not gotten out of that habit because I still ask my sister and them, where are they going? You know, so I ask everybody, where are you going? <laughs> so I have not gotten out of that habit because I'm so used to asking, you know, I have always asked my son, what are you doing? Where are you going? So, you know, it becomes a part of your life. You just want to know, you know, and then in these days and times, sometimes we need to know. Because it's so much trouble out here in this world today. And uh, I think I watch a lot of ID. You watch too much ID. But ID has true stories. And uh, if you don't know where your family members are, you are not, uh, you are not, you're not allowing them to be I I understand that they know how to be safe, but you just want to make sure they are safe. Mm-hmm. And you want to know where they're going, who they are with. So if anything do happen, then you can say, okay, my daughter went here or my son went there. That was the last thing that was spoken between us. So that's the reason for holding on tight. Yeah, and you know. And that's how y'all is. Now, I apologize because I forgot because I have another aunt uh, through marriage. But, I mean, she's been there so long, so I don't even know how long. 
by now by time wise. So, hi, Auntie Linda. Hi, Carissa. How you doing? Good. Auntie Linda, how long have you been a part of the family? Do you know how many years? I've been legally a aunt for 25 years, but we dated about five or six years, so about 30 plus years. So, was I here yet? No. I wasn't here yet? No. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, Auntie Linda, you are married to my Uncle Eric. How long have y'all been married? 25 years. Mm-hmm. That's a long time. You're the only aunt I know. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have been married for 25 years. Uh, how, how, how is it being married? What's the struggles of being married? It's, it is a struggle, but I, when people ask me about marriage, I always tell them that it's two people's with different attitudes, different personalities coming together as one. Um, the main thing when you're married is that you have to listen to each other, trust them, respect them, and mostly all, you it's a lot of give and take. And Eric has an attitude, whereas he's always right. I have an attitude where I'm always right. But then we just have to give and take and then listen to each other there's a lot of give and take and you have to be really patient with each other and learn to just sometimes when you have an argument you just got to say okay I'm done that's it and it's over with so it's not about winning the argument no it's not about winning the argument because you're going to say what you have to say he's going to say what he has to say and there isn't a winner. You both have to just listen to each other's side and then say, I'm done. And then he's in his part of the house. I'm in my part of the house. <laughs> <laughs> now, you have two two children, two of my uh, younger cousins. Um, what is it like? Uh, I think you are... You're not the only auntie that has two, but the, the the year gaps isn't so long. Isn't so big, at least. Right. Um, what is it like raising two kids, a boy and a girl? It was good. I'm still raising them. They still at home with me. but <laughs> <laughs> So I always tell them until they're out of the house, they're not fully grown. But... Um, when I first had Eric, I really wanted a girl, but I'm glad that I had the boy first because he more looks out for Alana, which they don't get along as well as, uh, I would like them to, but I know that they would take care of each other. And Eric, he looks out for me more than Alana does. And I know that if I need something, Eric is, he will be there for me and uh, get it for me right away if I really need it. Alana is more of, uh, okay, mom, I got to go. And then Eric is more of, what you need? Okay, I'm going to get it, but right, not right now. 
But he, <laughs> if I say I need it right now, he'll make sure I, I get it. Yeah, talking about reading your child. <laughs> so there's a lot of poor daddies, girl. Well, that's that. Well, yeah, she, she, she is. Um, being a parent, the same question that I asked them. Um, does your life stop? When you become a parent, does, does Linda's life stop when when she became a parent? When they first were born, it was more about them. Yeah, uh, everything was centered around them. I had to do what I needed to do for them. Even though their father was there, I had to make sure everything that they needed was I got it done. And when I, if I told him he needed to do something, he would do it. But I had to make sure that everything, you know, that they, I did all the cooking, the extracurricular activities, taking a lot of the ballet. He did the baseball with Eric. But now that they are 27 and 24, I feel like they, can do more on their own, but I always still tell them that they're not fully grown until they're out of our home. And Eric, he comes to me more, whereas Alana goes to her dad more. So that's how they are. Um, this kind of follows up the question that I asked before when I asked about uh, being a parent and like, uh, what do you do for yourself? Um, is there ever a feeling of losing, like in, like your identity, when you become a parent? Because, like, especially when it's like a new baby, no one asks about you you anymore. Is how's the baby? How's the baby doing? So, is there ever a feeling of hello? I'm still here. How am I doing? Is there ever like a feel of like you losing your identity because don't nobody asks about you anymore? When they were younger, uh, you felt like that because they always asked, "How is the how's the kids doing? And how old are the kids? What grade are they they now? Are they in in college, high school, or whatever?" It was all about them. And now, when they ask about them, they just say, "What are they doing? Are they working? Are they still at home? Are they married? Are you a grandmother now?" No. So it's all. It still be. They still ask about them, but probably say no with a sigh of relief. But now I do tell people it's 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 our time now. I tell Eric it's time for me and him to do the things that we wants to do. You know, we can plan plan trips together and stuff, and not worry about who's going to take care of them while we are gone because they can take care of their self, hopefully, and not tear up the house while we're we away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 I'm having home. They throw a real party. big party out. <laughs> party time. <laughs> I would be having whole parties at the house. So here's a question. Um, that I would like everyone to to answer. It is a, I guess, a hard question. Um, 
One of my biggest fears of being an only child is when my mother passes away um, because I will be alone. Um, you know, she's told me what she wants, you know, after that happens. But it's still a bit a big fear of me, even though I have a hundred cousins. And, you know, if I still have my aunts and uncles, I have supports. But it's still a fear. That's not fair. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, do you, um, with you guys, you know, you guys aren't spring chickens no more. Um, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, God be willing, all y'all live to y'all 120. I hope so. Okay. Because who, how else we going to be coming over? Still, Marcius. <laughs> but, uh, but um, do you speak to your children um, about, you know, if something happens to you about death, about, death. Uh, about how, what they should do, how you want everything done. It might not be a, a, a great subject. It's not one that's a touchy one, but, um, you know, it, it happens. So, uh, so my question is, you know, do you, <laughs> my question is, uh, do, do you speak to your ch- your children about, about you know, you, you not being here anymore and how you want your services? And, you know, my, my mom has, you know, she has a whole folder and paperwork and, and everything. But I tell her, you know, I'm going to do stuff, some stuff the way I want and she can't say nothing then. So. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so that's uh, whoever wants to go first, I'm going to say Marsha. Marsha, do you speak to uh, Quaylen about, you know, you you not being careful. I always all the time. Because one thing one th- I speak with Quaylen all the time about death. Because one thing is assured in this life, you will die. Yeah. That's just it, and that's just all. And I tell him you can grieve, you can cry, you can do all of that. But one thing, life goes on. I loved you, you love me, and it's all gravy, but we have to move on from that. Because one thing, I'm not coming back. Mm-hmm. And you have to move on. And I let him know that. And it's okay to be sad when holidays come for a little while, but you can't carry that for the rest of your life. Mm-mm. Cause this is your life, so go and live it. Have fun, enjoy. Because that's what that person would want you to do. That's all I got to say. Well, I haven't really just sit down and spoke with Eric and Alana about it, but I guess it's something that we need to discuss, me and Eric, with them. Because like Marsha said, one day we all have to go that way. And I guess it's something that we all need to discuss with them. I haven't really talked to them about it. Just actually had a full conversation with them about it. We have talked about it just in casually, but not what I really would want them to do in details. Do you want to answer or no? Or did I answer for you? You answered for me. Okay. Uh, I'm I'm Debbie. Yes, I have spoken with my son. 
uh, concerning if I should pass away. But he really refuses to hear it. He always says, Mom, you're going to live to be 100. We don't need to talk about this. And I always tell him, you know, you still have to be prepared for if you do have to face that decision. And so I have already, I sent him a text message one day telling him everything that I wanted him to do. And he texts me back and says, uh, Mom, you know what? Don't send me any more text messages like this. <laughs> so my son is very sensitive when it comes to death because when my mom died, he could not go to the hospital to see her. Uh, it, it it just played a big effect on him. And I'm pretty sure it did the same to you, Carissa, because our parents were more like parents to you all. So um, I don't, I think this is something that if it should happen, that it would take my whole family to get my son through, you know, but I have left things in order. So he, it won't be a struggle for him to make sure that everything is taken care of. And I am going to um, write up a will where what I want him to specifically do. You know, I'm kind of, you know, well, anyway, I'm going to write what I really want him to do during the time if I should pass away. And then I'm also going to, I've talking to Marsha about it, you know, and I'm pretty sure Marsha will help Jermaine through some of the things. So, you know. But can I interject? Go ahead, Marsh. Were you finished? Yeah. Okay, so she can, did. She, she did. She did. She did. She has talked to you about what she people. wants. <laughs> but I told her, you're you going to be gone. You won't know. <laughs> I'm just lightening the mood. That's all I'm yeah. doing. Well, so the, she told me, yes, what she wanted and what she, uh, her wishes were. Mm -hmm. But like I told her, if you go, you, you don't know the difference. So, but anyway, well, I, will, yeah. I would respect her wishes. And the reason that was, was because I told Marsha I did not want to be cremated. <laughs> you ain't going to be here. I was going to cremate. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Why would you tell her? <laughs> I told Marsha, I said, I do not want to be cremated. I don't want to be burned. Because I'm thinking like this. You ain't going to be here. I'm thinking like this. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. Wait, I'm like this. I don't know if I'm going to heaven or hell. Mm. So ain't no need me getting burned before I get to hell. <laughs> right. Now you're talking about the other side. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. So for, oh, what, what do you want to say? I, th I think that the, the reason that prompt us or prompt me to talk to Carissa about uh, my plans for if I left here was when my parents died, when one of my parents died. Mm -hmm. To see that in the age that they were when they died, and then when one after the other family members began to die, even though 
you know, we were able to prepare for their, you know, their services and stuff like that smoothly. Um, it prompted me to begin to speak to my daughter about what I wanted and how I wanted it to be done. Absolutely. So, and the reason why I asked that question is because we have a very big family. I'll just speak for the cousins. Because of that, we have a lot of, you know, aunts and uncles. And you guys pretty much do everything anyway. So when it get the holidays, uh, when it gets to simple things, you know, I don't know about this tax, this, this tax stuff. I don't know about, you know, this, this, this going to court. Can you tell me about that? The reason why I ask that is because, um, especially for us individually, that'd be a hard thing because it's like, okay, these people do so much for us. So to make it easier on all of us um, that would be here, you know, I would hope that you guys would please write some down. Because, look, we not, if y'all won't, especially the older ones, me, Chanel, uh, Jermaine, Lil Eric, Lana, Deidre, Quaylen, uh Peanut, y'all want us to figure something out? <laughs> I hope y'all write everything. <laughs> I, I hope y'all write everything down. Because if not... Uh, one, all y'all probably gonna be cremated because we, we, we not, we are not finna go through like what, in, in my opinion, of what I saw, uh, when my grandparents passed away, it was very hard for you guys. So we, we, we not gonna go through that. Look here, y'all gonna get some cremated. Now you might not want to. Now, now if Marsha here, <laughs> you know, whoever, you know, your son, that's your son. But I'm just saying that to make sure that you guys do write something down because because you guys are so uh, so much a part of our life, it'll be hard for us when y'all are gone. Excuse me, can I interject? You certainly can. I this is Uncle James speaking. I would prefer Uncle James back. I would prefer to be buried. Why? It's religious, more like it's religious uh, thing. Wherein, uh, you know. For generations, people are our people have been buried. Now, this is something relatively new that people are being cremated. Mm -hmm. It might be the cost of, of the uh, of the burial ground or whatever. It might be because of the burial ground and such is the reason it's costing more to for funeralizing people. But I suggest everybody should get insurance and be uh, properly buried as of what most of our older people do prefer being buried in the ground. And and me being probably from what I can see, all of the all the families of us have have gone. And and I would I hate to think of it, but the reality I will probably I thought of that as as looking down at the various variety of the family member who has left. And it does come to me as a thought I would probably be the next and the family to go because of my age. Mm -hmm. But I, 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 I can't let that stop me. I can't let it slow mm -hmm. me down. Mm -hmm. I still feel that my, my mother lived to see 93. Come on, and, and I comfortably think that 
I possibly could see that plus some. That's right. Mm -hmm. So, so I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I don't go forward looking backwards. All I, I do is right. I look forward. I know that's to, right. To, to be blessed. I know that's right. Do y'all remember? I have mm -hmm. a, a fond memory of uh, Grandma Canary. Y'all know what it is? It's two things, right? So I knew that she yeah. should not have sweets, but. She, you know, in her 90s, let her live her life, okay? So all the time I would hear grandma, uh, you know, always, they be arguing all the time downstairs. <laughs> mm -hmm. But, uh, so since I was at the house, you know, I was younger. Mm -hmm. So all the time, it'd be just me and her. She'd be downstairs, you know, in her bed watching her stories. I come down there, I give her uh, these little nutter bar things, and me and her would have a good time. <laughs> she would have a piece. I would have one side, yeah. and she would have the other side. <laughs> and then she used to have this uh, this uh, Indian penny dime uh, around dime. her ankle. Yeah, it was and I asked her dime. about it one day. She said she said it it keep the spirits away. She said because up in this house, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> when when grandma would uh, would come home. <laughs> but my grandma would come on. What would she always say, Mama? The devil. The devil is home. You <laughs> <laughs> always say the devil is home. And at that time, what most people don't know, we used to have a house phone. I still know the phone number. And uh, if I was home from school, uh, my mom would call uh, downstairs. And I love music. So if anybody upstairs with me, I'm blasting music. You know, all day. But once in a while, I would, you know, hear who is screaming or hollering my name. So I turned it down. It would be her from she then rolled herself to the bottom of the stairs and said, Yo, mama is on the phone. Come downstairs. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm coming. And the last memory that is probably the most funniest of my younger cousin, Quaylen. I don't know how old he was. How old was he? About a few months later. Around two. About two. He was bad. <laughs> now, what he would do is my grandma Canary, would, uh, she had this little rolling cane. Walker. And it's a little rolling walker. And she would get up, you know, to go to the bath to the bathroom. And every single time, now it didn't matter if somebody was holding him, or he was in the, the bath, the kitchen playing with some pots and pans. He would never fail. He would get up. He would crawl to her and stand on the middle of the walker and just stand there and would not let her continue no, to walk. No. And all you would hear is her say, somebody come and get this baby. Somebody come and get this baby. <laughs> Those are like fond memories of uh, of growing up in a household with a bunch of people. And he would actually take her yeah. walker. He would take a walker from her. He was bad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your child was bad. Did you have something to say? Did you have I disagreed that my son was bad, but... Oh <laughs> <laughs> remember, but the, we used to have to put him in front of a, 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 the fishes to make him be crying. No, you got to be kidding. Sometimes the fish did help, sometimes it didn't. It was therapy, huh? But no, I, I think that the main thing is... is 
that, you know, when it comes to family, it's very important that we do get together and we do love on each other. Because at the end of the day, you know, rather we have all these holidays and all this stuff, that's not the important part of it. Not the gifts, not that. It's the part of getting together and letting each other know that I see you. Can I interject one last thing in that? Mm -hmm. Is this is the part of heaven that we enjoy on earth. Right. The family coming together as a group and, and enjoying being among ourselves. Mm -hmm. And me personally, I feel that family is all you got. And I don't miss a beat with telling my family that I love them. That's right. And I don't miss a beat with giving a hug. Because I don't know if tomorrow is going to be my last day. She gonna hug. And I want you to remember that last hug. And send you the love. And I want you to remember. Oh my God, I don't stop texting. I don't read. And I and I want you to remember me saying I love you. Because that's that's important. You know, it means a lot. People they fall short of that today. Families do. But to me, you got to give that. You have to give that back. Because our parents gave it to us. So we need to pass it on. So our generation don't fail. That they know family is the most important thing. And it's when, not all about family. It's about extended. Because it don't have to be blood related that's to right. be family. Oh, definitely. It, it can be friends. It has to be friends. friends. Yeah. Whoever, whoever you care you about. You can love somebody without it being a family. People yeah. adopt kids all the time. Cause yeah. Leo and they have the love. Out of right? Yeah. <laughs> but you Leo, know. I, we love Leo. Leo popped Leo out of here. Well, Leo is family. He is our family. Leo is family. Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like this. I feel like this. Anybody that come into our family, oh, you gotta get jumped they already know they family. Mm -hmm. They already yeah. know it. You know? I mean, like this is good. I like this yeah. podcast. Thing, this is I can't get out. It, you know, it helps to understand about real family, real things, real situations, and that's good. Yeah. Because everything is, like I said, everything is one on yeah. Okay, I gotta let's put go. it out. Okay, let's rock and roll. I'm talking. <laughs> it was recording, so we heard all of that. Oh, oh my God. I don't want to be putting that out there. They gonna know for me. They already know you're crazy. They didn't heard the first 35 minutes. Well, you know what? Since they're listening. Wait, but hold on. Since they're listening, I do want to say that that family, we have our ups and downs, but we all still come right back together in full circle. Okay. Amen. Answer me the next question. Okay. Don't be putting me out there like that. Eric didn't gave the thumbs up. All right. So you can read the talk, Eric. Come on. Where are you? She got asked us one last question. Where are you going? Okay. Go ahead. You can't Go ahead. answer from behind me. 
No, stand where you was. Now, come on, we got two more questions, and then the no, other people just can keep go. The questions short, then y'all. You just cut okay, your answer short. Time. You don't be putting my business out. <laughs> come on, come on. Keep your answer short. She says she can edit all that. You better edit. Right. Well, no, it's still gonna be tough questions. It's not supposed to be easy. Um. So, uh, so the next two questions they are um, they're not really tough questions to me, but again, I'm not you all. So. We grew up in a very uh, religious household. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, our family is very faith based. We grew up, uh, I would say, Apostolic, Baptist, Koji, Apostolic, mostly Apostolic. Okay, um, so <laughs> we grew up. In <laughs> so. Just to say that God was a staple in our uh, household so and our upbringing. And it has, uh, of course, stayed with us um, as we've all gotten older. Here is my question with that. With that being said, I want everybody's opinion if you do have one. Um, in Black households, why? Uh, is therapy? Hmm. What therapy? Mental health? Hmm. Things that are almost spoken as if they do not exist, taboo. or if they are taboo. There you go. Um, why is religion? The cure-all for mental health or going to therapy, and but why isn't therapy also encouraged? Before y'all answer the question, I have something to say prior. So with that, what I believe, I greatly believe that prayer answers and works because that's what I believe. I've seen uh, prayer and God do wonderful things. Me, myself, being here uh, of my birth is a prime example. Me being 33 is a prime example because at birth, uh, they told, they said I wasn't going to be here anyway Hmm. or I was going to have any, uh, some issues or I wasn't going to be able to walk, talk, uh, think or anything. So I know that God is real and prayer works. Uh, because my own grandparents told my mama to don't go back and see that baby because she ain't going to make it. But God had another plan for that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, mental health is real. Having, you know, anything, uh, depression, being bipolar, being psychosis, these words aren't made up. These words are real. And therapy, as well as prayer, can be an asset. Now, I understand that in the 50s and the 60s, I probably wouldn't have went to therapy during that time either. Um, because, you know, I, I don't know what the temperature was regarding Black people going uh, to therapy, especially because you were only going to go to white people, which... 85% of all therapists are still white. 
So there aren't many black people for us to speak to. And, and I also think that we have a, a phobia or a mistrust to speak to, to white people about our issues. Um, that we only maybe might think that only someone that looks like us will be the only people uh, that, that understand us truly. Um, so my question to you all, growing up how we grew up, one is how do you feel about mental health? And how do you honestly feel about therapy? Now, um, I understand that those two answers might be long-winded, but please try to keep it short. And also because me and myself, I am very sensitive to mental health issues. Um, if you are going to say something uh, that um, will resemble that saying that it's not real or that that person is weak, oh, no. um, I will stop the recording. Okay. So uh, I'm going to let uh, my Uncle James go first. Uh, Uncle well, James. Well, as, as I said earlier, I have been in a variety of religious structures. Mm -hmm. uh, one was uh, Christianity. Mm -hmm. uh, the second uh uh, probably I, I had a lot of respect for, for uh, Islam, but the main one that I really took a longer time in, and that was uh, Hebrew. But uh, the key, uh, leaving all of that as to go to spirituality, mm -hmm. as I think I've said earlier, God and myself is one, meaning God is a part of me and being a part of me. Spirituality is the only way that I know that I relate to the greater power, who is God. Uh, whether he's, he's my psychiatrist or whatever I want to put it, I, I all trust and all of my faith and strength goes toward the creator God. I just feel like, I... Marsha, I just feel like um, when it relates to mental health, when it relates to uh, therapy, I think uh, we have to think back when um, black people, you know, we didn't have those options back then. So we had to rely on our religion. Very good. So that's what we had and that's all we knew to do. So that's where that came from. But fast forward, we are learning that it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to seek help outside of the church. The church was the only thing that African Americans knew or black, Negro, however you want to say it. That's what we knew. But now we understand that it is okay to seek help and to pray because there's nothing wrong with either one. Um, when it comes to mental health, I believe that um, people, that the Lord uh, put the uh, people here to help us and that 
we have to believe that God gave them that knowledge in to help us. And we have to, when we go into, into mental health and it comes to speaking to someone, we have to be open and willing to ex- accept what they're going to advise of us. But in the meantime, we have to rely on our belief in God also that he will heal us from those issues that we are dealing with. Because one thing, when it, it comes down to uh, our mind, it works in mysterious ways. And you can just be thinking about something. And if you just let those thoughts overtake you, you will go into a, a mindset that you just start believing it. But then when you start talking to someone about it, you, you it, it will help you. So you have to be strong and know that God has the power to heal all and that those therapists are there to help us. Now, back in the 50s and 60s, they didn't have those therapists to help them. And they relied on their, their prayers and they believed in God that he would heal them from all of those. And that's how they were raised to believe. And so they brought us up to believe that that it was no use of going to therapies, that we had to just trust and pray about it. But now we know better that God has gave those people the knowledge to help us also. I, I agree with what Linda and Marsha said in reference to, um, yeah, back in the, uh, in the fifties and sixties, we didn't have that. We didn't have that available to us to be able to go. But then also, I, I also believe that, um, you have to be able to find someone, um, in your circle that you can talk to that can give you some form of uh, guidance, not necessarily a professional, but somebody who you can trust in that you can be able to tell a little bit about something that's going on in your life, whether it be uh, you're confused about something or something is truly bothering you. You should be able to express yourself to to that friend and not feel like your business is going to be placed all over the world. But then also once that has not accomplished what you were looking for, then um, like my sister and uh, uh, sister-in-law said, it's not a problem going seeking help outside of, you know, the church because the church is there to help you also. But like my sister-in-law said, God uses men or professionals to help you get to the next step that you need to get to in order to accomplish the things that you want to accomplish mentally and physically. Okay. Um, I do believe that, <clears throat> excuse me. I, <clears throat> I do believe that um, our ancestors with the trauma that they went through and they did not get help because they believed in um, religion that some of the stuff that they went through, I'm pretty sure they did need therapy, you know, but they were able to get through it. 
And now moving to uh, the earlier times as during the time that I was born or my parents were born, then yeah, we've, we've dealt with everything <clears throat> uh, religious-wise. But as I got to be an older adult, I did have an issue with my father passing away because I was a daddy's girl. And I did go get therapy. And it did help. Uh, his death lingered with me for about a year. And I did go get therapy. And I was able to get through it. But I must also say that I worked in the mental health field as a mental health professional and a substance abuse counselor. <clears throat> and one thing I did discover that some of these people that uh, give you the mental health uh, that you need, some of them more <laughs> off they rocking than the ones, than the people that really need it. You know, and I mean, I, I dealt with those type of people. I've seen that they got greater issues than the clients themselves. So sometimes it is a thin line between uh, religion and seeing a therapist, uh, it's all in who you believe is helping you. And and that's what I think about it. You know, I must say that uh, that was awesome. You guys did an excellent job for never being on a podcast or really even knowing what a podcast is for real. But <laughs> if you guys didn't tell you, I'm going to uh, edit this out <laughs> and put this out with millions of people that can listen to it. Okay. Uncle James, one day I want you to come by the house and I want to speak to you because you know I like to read, right? And mm. research. You might not know. But I like to read and research. I want to speak to you because I read this book that I might have to buy you. I want to know why are why are black people Christians in the first place? And how did we learn Christianity? And why do we continue it with its history? We ain't got to talk about it today because... Okay. No but I do want to talk to you one day about Christianity, uh, the nation of Islam, and, and why, are, why are black people Christians with so much history of being a Christians? Because, you know, those four little girls in Mississippi, I believe... Christians said Christians bombed the church. Yeah. So, uh, so I, one I day would, I want to uh, talk to you. I, I would love to. And and yeah. we can talk about black people and Christianity and thank you. And, and all of I that. But you. I want to thank you guys so much for uh, being honest and open. This is probably the most that I've talked to y'all ever. So uh, thank you everybody for listening. Um, this is the 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 Christmas special. Um, the next episode I'm going to do is with the younger generation, and okay. that one's going to be a little turned up because they turned up. Uh, the joy of having a really, really, really big family, you get to do things like that, and that was probably the most that I've laughed, probably in a really long time. Um, but I, like I said before, I didn't really edit anything. I wanted them to be as raw and uncut as possible. 
um, any information that they passed on. I just wanted them to be as honest. Um, one of my aunts did request the questions prior. I don't know who she thought she was. She probably thought she was Oprah. Um, but uh, one of my other cousins had to explain that that's not really the purpose. The purpose is to be uh, open and honest and be yourself. And if you have the questions prior, that kind of means that you can rehearse. And that's really what I didn't want to relay, that this was a, re a rehearsal or we're doing some type of script or we're doing, you know, like that 1920 like story radio thing. That's not what we're doing here. And that's not what they did. They were very honest. We spoke honestly, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed myself speaking to them. Um, I hope that you learned something, because I learned something. I hope that you laughed, because I laughed. Even re-listening re to it, I'm still laughing. Because as you can tell, everyone wasn't there, but I have a cast of characters, of people that I am related to, uh, family and extended family. So. So the last section, um, it's going to be the kids, quote unquote the kids. They're not kids really anymore, they're like 20, 24, 25, but if you ask me, they're still kids. One hell, one of them I remember still changing the camera, so enjoy the last and final segment with the kids.